because I will still hear, unfortunately, still hear older, much older black women say things like Serena Williams looks too hard, you know, or, or Michelle Obama looks too hard. And that's some older black women because as I say, sometimes they say as you, you can't teach your old dog new tricks. So whilst the younger generation is more open, it's more broad, there's more inclusivity and all that, the older generation is still set in many ways. Before we start, for people who may not know who you are, do you mind giving us a very brief introduction behind who you are and what you do? So my name is DJ Adele and I am a skincare expert. I am an author. I wrote the book Black Skin, The Definitive Skincare Guide, which was out um, last year. It's been out for almost a year. Um, I am also a clinic owner and I own a skincare clinic in London called Westroom Aesthetics. But also um, a massive passion project of mine is the award-winning platform Black Skin Directory, which literally exists to connect people with skin of color to skincare experts, professional and professional and training, um, and really just enable the, the the skin health of of black people, black and brown people, to be in a much better shape. That's great. And um, it's interesting you said that the Black Skin Directory is a passion project. So we usually like to start off with going in from, you know, upbringing and that kind of thing, talking, talking about your background to get some context. Mm -hmm. Before we get into there, first question I've got for you is behind everything that you do, what's your why that drives you? I guess one of my um, major whys is about ensuring there's um, an equal playing field and equal access to skincare and beauty for for black women, black men, and obviously, you know, black children. I know that through, through um, my experiences in industry, that black people tend to have a lot more anxiety when it comes to accessing skincare and skincare treatments and products. There's a lot more legwork and emotional legwork that I find that the black community does um, because the vast majority of the skincare industry for many, many years, um, for, for decades actually, hasn't centered the experiences of black people at all. It's, it's, it's very white. Um, so there's always been a lot of trepidation for black consumers. Um, and really breaking down those barriers is what, what I would say drives my work um, alongside um, really driving the fact that as black people, we belong everywhere. There is no space that we, we can't be part of or shouldn't be part of. Um, and I really do things sometimes where I am, I do them to ensure that we have representation in those areas so that people who are up and coming, and, and that's not to say I've arrived anywhere, but I'm up and coming too, <laughs> but, but people who are even early, uh, you know, newer in the journey, um, can see representation in themselves and know that they too can do, do do all these sorts of things as well. All right, that's great, amazing. So sort of like inclusivity um, in yeah. the beauty space where black people historically haven't been included. Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Amazing, thank you very much for that. So let's start off um, looking at your background. Can you, to begin with, just to paint a picture as to what your upbringing looked like, you know, where you grew up and what just the environment was like for you? Okay, well, I I was born in Sierra Leone. 
and um, I lived in Sarah until I was 10. Um, and then I moved to the UK when I will I, sometimes I say when when the Civil War started, but the Civil War started way before then. But when the Civil War got really serious, I moved to the UK. And, and so therefore, I, I had my secondary school education in the UK from age of 10, basically. Um, and I, I, I went to a great school in central London where um, we were taught that we could do anything. Um, we had an amazing female head teacher who literally was just like, you can do anything. I have, you know, it's, it's, it's widely reported the girls from my school tend to think that um, they can smash through anything. It's like a thing about the girls from my school because that's just how we, we were brought up in that in that school system. Um, and I, I left there. I went to I went to uni. Um, I went to uni in Bristol. Um, but I, I went to University of West of England, the kind of like funkier Bristol uni, mm. <laughs> where all the good parties happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, I actually went into investment banking because my, my family being very academic, um, there was this whole thing, this whole concept about beauty, which is not something they could get down with. Um, I mean, it's something I've always participated in. I remember being very young and watching my mom get ready for things like cocktail parties, going to the going to the salon with my mom. You know, and I used to think my mom's hairdresser and her beautician was the most stylish, most amazing person ever. But I, it was just never something like it was a career that was open to me. It was like it's, you know. And um, so I, I left uni and I went into I went into banking and I worked in I worked in HR in banking really, um, but it was so funny because I was never that girl you'd open her drawer and you'd find like paper clips stapler you'd open my drawer you find nail polish lipstick everything I used to I mean think about the banking industry being quite straight cut you know I, I think obviously this is a podcast that you can't see me but I'd be like bright red lipstick big curly hair you know that would be my style and it was so very not banking um and you know it, it was my thing and I used to do all these courses on the side you know I I would do like I'm a fully qualified manicurist I used to do all these nail shows um you know all these beauty treatments from pedicures to waxing to electrolysis I used to study all of them on the side like my my side hustle my nighttime job mm -hmm. basically even when I worked in banking um and when the first recession hit I was like you know what you know I'm not cut out for this and it was it was very apparent because I was one of those people who was just always angry. Like you could, you didn't do anything to me, like, but just going to work, work a job I didn't like. You know, I was just always like full of angst and ready to ready to fight all the time. Um, you know, obviously I kept it together. I worked in a better professional environment, but it was like this is just not what I want to do. I can't imagine spending the rest of my life being here negotiating all these people's massive salaries for them it was just not what i wanted to do um when the first recession hit i remember i went to new york and i remember working at new york fashion week with a friend of mine who's a makeup artist um and it was the most amazing experience just um you know doing makeup but funny enough i was talking to the models more about their skin and and you know what they were looking after their skin and my friend was just like DJ, you have wasted my time. I did not bring you here to come and talk about skincare products. You know, he was, and he was like, you're, you should go and do skin. You, you like makeup, but makeup isn't your passion per se. Skincare is your passion. 
Um, and so when we came back to London, I, I, I then enrolled. I decided I wouldn't go back to the city full time because the recession had hit then anyway. Um, and I then enrolled at the London College of Beauty Therapy. And that's when I did, I consolidated all of my qualifications. I had itty bitty qualifications from all sorts of places. I've been doing all these like side hustle courses, but I then consolidated everything into full and proper qualifications. Um, and as, as they say, you know, everyone says, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very interesting, that background. And I can see some parallels to my own background, to some degree. Uh, I, w I was born here, but my parents are very academic as well. And they wanted me to, you know, go down a particular path, you know, the, the doctor, uh, accountant, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd done maths for one year in uni, dropped out, and then went to London College of Fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started fashion business and that didn't go down well. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, I think it's, it's the immigrant parent dream, isn't it? That their child will, it, because it's just, they, they think about stability, you know, um, because yeah, for many years after I went into into beauty, I, I remember even my one of my older cousins saying saying like you know I can't believe you left such a good job in banking, you know, and it was such a she didn't actually use the word good she called it stable, and you know she was an accountant or she is an accountant so for her stability and all that. And, but I was young then, no kids, I wasn't married, so I was like I'm gonna take my chances, um, you know, and. And I remember when my book came out, she was the first person who was like, oh my God, like you really, you really, you really did it. You, you really carved out the, the life and career that you wanted rather than the standard one that our parents, because you know, when you're an immigrant, especially those generations of immigrants, our parents' generation and their parents' generation, it's all about stability and it's all about respectability, getting that job that's respectable um, because it's all about for many of our, our our ancestors, it's it's about living under a white gaze and what what that says about. So, so you get you dress well, you speak well, you get that respectable job, um, because that's how you will progress. Because the society is really built around whiteness in many ways, and our generations, I find our generations more like no, no, no actually, we're just going to make our own way right now. You've gone into this corporate world. Where did this love for beauty come from where did that passion stem from it stemmed right from when i was a child um my my mother is like the most glamorous person you'll meet she doesn't come downstairs in the morning she hasn't got lipstick on like she just does not and so that's what i was born brought up into there's pictures of my mum on the day i was born with her hair done and lipstick on like literally holding this brand new baby um so my mom is super glamorous i've never remembered my mom not having her nails painted or anything like that but so my interest started from then from when i was very very young um but it was more about grooming and looking presentable rather than you know this and feeling good and confident about yourself rather than this outward you know as we call it nowadays face beat or anything like that it was nothing like that and I used to read all my mum's magazines. So all her, like, she used to read Best, Bella, Women's Own, Hello. Since probably I could read, I've been reading all those magazines and beauty pages. Um, and so my interest started way before I, I actually came to this country. And it was, I guess it's one of those things where as a child, when you're kind of told you're not allowed to wear makeup, you know what, not allowed lipstick or nail polish or whatever, you are 
you become much more drawn to those things and i was just innately drawn to them but not because they made me look more beautiful or anything like that because of how they make you feel in terms of your personal feeling self-worth confidence puts a pep in your step for me it was all about the internal mental health aspect of how these things and it still is when i see women in clinic it's always about how i how can i help their skin to make them feel good about themselves rather than how can i help their skin to make them beautiful or anything like that yeah yeah that's that's really really um good distinction you've made there actually now there's a topic i wanted to touch on um in a bit but before we get there actually with you on your background still you spoke about the school you went to in central london where it was um they empowered you a lot essentially you and all the other girls in the school as well uh and i'm wondering with for yourself as well you've gone into what you call stable career investment banking that's a career that a lot of parents are going to be over the moon if their child was getting to it. it's you know stable you can earn good money in the long term etc etc but you've left that to go and pursue your passion essentially without necessarily even you may have had a vision, I guess, but it's not like it's certain that I'm going to have a salon, I'm going to have a book, I'm going to be doing TV appearance, et cetera, et cetera. That stuff is, you, you can't say for certain and you've left a stable environment to embark and follow your dreams. Do you, other than school, in your household itself, did you grow up in a household where your mom, your dad, maybe siblings, cousins, where you have some influence around you that have really empowered you and given you that kind of a drive to step out to do something like that? Um, it's not something I thought about at the time, but when I, when I do think about these things, my entire household from my mother, her sister, um, my, my grandmother were all very entrepreneurial women, all very go getting women. As much as my school was very, a, a very empowering environment, my, the women in my family are like, I will come for you. You will not stand in my way. That's the kind of women we are in my family. We will just step step on you, not step on you horribly, but you cannot be a blockade to what we're trying to achieve. We're very forceful in my family. As you can see from the way I talk as well, like we're very forceful. If we've got our eyes set on something, that's it. It's happening. And 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 my grandmother was a businesswoman. She she was she dealt in fabric. And she was also one of those women that everybody in the neighborhood came to, whether it's marital problems, business problems, whatever kind of problem, you came to my grandmother. Um, my mom's sister's the same. My mom is the same. So it's very, we're very go, the, the women especially are very go-getting. Even my husband will be like, let her just, just leave her. She's, once she's she's decided just to stay out of her way. Um, we're very go-getting. I come from a background of go-getters of, 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 and grafters, hard work. I, I come from that background where people work hard um, and we always have ideas and, you know, we, and, and, I, and, and I remember when I was younger, even around the dinner table, you know, my, my, my mom, her sister, my uncles, they, you know, and, 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 and my mom's siblings as well. Um, they all had businesses, whether it was in the fishing industry, in the importing industry, rice industry, whatever. They 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 were seen as big business people, and I don't I don't think I actually even really took that on board when I was younger. But Sierra Leone's a very small small country, small community, and they were really big players. 
in the industries, um, in, in all the major industries. And I never really took it on board, but that's the kind of family I come from where everyone, you know, was doing something. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I'm a big believer that in who we are now and everything we do, there's always some kind of a thread from our childhood in some way, shape and form. And I know you could talk, sit down and talk for hours and sort of like really dig in and figure things out. We've only been talking for 16 minutes, but I can see that from your household, with the people you've grown up, the women in your family, your school you've gone to, there's a clear you know, thread um, that you can see that, that have helped you in a subconscious way, maybe not even consciously at the time, but subconsciously to help yeah. you to the kind of person you are today. Um, and it's very interesting. Yeah, amazing to hear that actually. Set some good context for who you are today, actually. Now, on the beauty, in the beauty side of things now, let's talk the Black Skin Directory. For Could you let us, for people listening who may not know what it is, um, just tell people what it is essentially? um and why you decided to set it up at that point in time so black skin directory is it will have it's almost five years old and um so it's essentially an online platform where it connects people of color to skincare experts so for example if you had a skin complaint and you wanted to find somebody who was experienced in dealing with black skin you could log on to it and you'd be able to find someone there if you um, wanted to find out about, you know, skincare products, skincare routines, um, how maybe how different conditions look on black skin, whether it be things like lupus or whether it be um, like razor bumps or, or hyperpigmentation, dark marks on the skin, all that sort of stuff. You could actually log into Black Skin Directory and find out that information. There's lots of articles, there's lots of content. Um, so essentially that's how the platform started um, what, almost five years ago and we've sort of just built it out, built it out, just re, um, building different iterations of it all the time. Um, it's going through a massive rebrand at the moment. So when it has its fifth birthday in February next year, it will be a brand new site. Um, and, and we have lots of professionals that we work with. We sometimes do events. Um, the last few events we did, we did them with Glamour magazine and, you know, really just bring community together as well um so essentially that's what black skin directory is and i guess you were asking me you know what what made me set it up yeah why at that point in time yeah um i guess for me this so this was before george floyd and 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 I, the reason why i say that is because george floyd changed his death his sad death actually changed a lot of things within the beauty industry but but, but if you to, to have context before George Floyd, within the beauty industry, nobody really spoke about race. It was all very hush-hush. Nobody spoke about it, it you know. And, and there I was being, actually, when you have black skin, your needs are different. And I was just one piping up, just being like, actually, no, it's not the case. You, you do have to do certain things differently for black skin. Or black women do have certain experiences within the beauty and skincare space. And, and those experiences cannot be brushed under the carpet. And... I felt at the time that I was in a position where I had the contacts with all the clinics that were going to be listed. I had enough knowledge about how things are slightly different for black skin in the way that different things present on black skin. And I just felt like I could connect those two things together. And essentially I built the first website on my, on my kitchen table, um, just using Squarespace. I just, I just built it. I just put it together. Um, and I just, I was just really driven by the fact that there was just a lack of representation, a, a lack of understanding of the needs. 
um and 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 i just wanted to do something about that i just wanted to make a contribution towards leveling it out so when i now hear about doctors who will say to me oh yeah i refer my patients to black skin laboratory all the time i'm always amazed because obviously black skin laboratory is not my day job it's it's something i do on the side and i love doing it but there are times where obviously it tries to take over my life um and I have to have say we always say call it like community property now because there are times when I have been you know and I always really honest about it, I say to people look I'm gonna actually shut this whole thing down because it's taking over my life I actually have a day job I have a family I have children people think that Black Skin Directory is this massive company and it's not um, so I'm gonna shut it down and then that's when I'll hear from someone who'll be like oh my god it was such a help it was so helpful to me and then obviously that stops me in my tracks because. I'm like, how can you then shut this thing down, DJ? It is now community property, you know? So, uh, and people all over the world use it as well. Yeah, amazing. And I guess it's sort of like you spotted a gap, an underserved portion of the industry, essentially. Black women, black people who weren't finding the information they wanted to find very easily. And then you've made it a lot easier. Basically, you've got your directory so people can go there and just find what they need to find. Basically, basically, yes. Um, and but at the time I didn't even I didn't see it as anything I just I, I didn't see you know obviously I obviously wanted it to be to be received well and to do well and all that kind of stuff but I honestly didn't see it five years down the line I, I really didn't I, I obviously didn't think about timing either I just was like plodding on which I still do I just plod on with it but sometimes that's a good thing sometimes anyway because like some I think sometimes if you think too long term people can get very bogged down with thinking either one maybe the vision is too big or two just trying to perfect things before you even start sometimes if you just start and then just go over time yeah. you know you'll, you'll you just learn over time like you, you said yourself you would made adaptations to the website over time so you just start see what works see what doesn't work see what people like see what people don't like and then make changes as you go along um, yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. And sometimes that's just the best way to go about it with when you started it was a was it an issue that you faced your that you face yourself, you find it difficult to find information. I know you went and studied at the, I forgot the name, the London College of London Beauty. London College of Beauty Therapy. Yeah, London College of Beauty Therapy. And was that something you find initially you had yourself and or and or other black women that you were interacting with were having? It was more about other black women. I personally have never, um, have never really struggled to find skincare. I never have. Um, I, and I guess probably because I work in the industry, right? So I know where to go, who to talk to, who to speak to. I do my own research. It's very, very easy for me. So I have never struggled to find skincare. But I, I obviously I have family members who, who aren't into beauty and skincare as much as I am. So they struggle, you know, and they end up coming to ask me, you know. So, so I'm aware of the issues that other black women face. Just because I haven't faced them doesn't mean that um, I can't try and help in that situation. So of course, I'm, I'm very aware of the other issues black women face. And, and so the, the only thing I do, I do remember and recall a lot was that obviously whilst I was studying, I know that I had to, when it came to black skin or, or skin of color, I had to put the work in myself. The curriculum does not accommodate skin of color. Um, you know, so I had to put the work in myself to find out the, the relevant information I needed, which is why we ended up launching the training platform for Black Skin Directory, because to this day, um, other professionals in the industry struggle to find information about skin of color. So we, we put a course together, which is online. You can just log on and you, 
you, you pay the course fee, you have access to it, you do the course, we upload um, journal articles, things that are all related to black skin. We have like a library resource center for professionals to be able to use and all that sort of stuff on, on the training platform side. So when black skin, which is what I mean, well, when I said nothing was planned, what we, I never envisioned having a training platform as well. It was always all about consumer. It was consumer first, consumer first, just basically it was black women first, black women first, black women first. <laughs> it was just that. Um, you know, and it used to be the, it, the, I remember the tagline used to be connecting women of color till it became connecting people of color. Cause we realized how many men used it as well. Um, you know, so now it's a training platform. All of that came later when we could see that actually we will not be able to have professionals who can treat skin of color if they don't actually have the training. So let's do something about the training requirements as well. All right. On beauty, can beauty be defined? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think, I think we're also varied in, in many different ways and, and different cultures, different heritage. Um, so it can only be defined by yourself as an individual. What do you consider beautiful? What do you find beautiful and appealing to you? Um, I don't think that we can generalize, we can have a generalized answer for beauty. Yeah, I asked that. Um, and I do agree with that. I do subscribe to that. Um, I ask that because in this world we live in, maybe I grew up in the Western world, I grew up here. In the Western world, I can talk before in particular, there definitely seems to be a very defined definition of what beauty is. Whilst it's not explicitly said, uh, we have certain types of people or images or whatnot that are pushed in our media, in movies, music, whatever. Um, and it seems to be a very defined definition of beauty there. Uh, where did, where did that, how did that even start? Where did that come from? Like, what's, what's happening there? Um, I think historically, there's always been a definition, especially when I look at for black people, there's always been a definition that the closest you are to white and the closest you have to white features, the more beautiful you are. So it's an approximation to whiteness. So for many years, decades, centuries, um, we've been told as a as a black community that uh, the closer you are to white is the best, which is why people um went and, and people and enslaved people um wanted you know wanted to work in the house, for example, because you you wouldn't get as dark as if you worked in the field. There's always been that that level, and 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 for many many years, like you say, through music videos or um even advertising campaigns, it was always even even if they included a, a black model, it'd always be maybe like a, a mixed heritage black model who who was very light in skin tone, um, maybe very loose, loose curly hair rather than a you know thick afro uh, or something like that. And 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 I think we as a community as well, because of the amount of things we've had to go through with um slavery in america the jim crow laws in in the uk we've had you know we, we we've had various um uh, uh in the 60s various incidences and all that you know we we as a, as well as community sort of ingested that message um of the closer you are to white the better so and i think that's where we get these defined 
categories from, even within the skincare industry, you'll get told that Angelina Jolie, for example, is the perfect beauty in the world. The ratio of her face is the perfect beauty in the world. Um, and, and again, Angelina Jolie isn't anywhere near black, so, so, so black people don't actually see themselves represented in, in these sorts of ideals of beauty. Um, and, I, and I guess that's where it's come from, you know, the society we live in tells us this and we're having, we're bucking against that trend, especially the younger generation is actually saying, actually, no, you can't tell me I'm not beautiful just because I'm not white. Right, right. And do you see, do you see this manifesting? I know you said it's, it's starting to change now, especially the younger generation, but do you see this self like this, uh, this sort of narrowly defined definition of beauty that's being subconsciously pushed towards us through all of these different social medias and whatever platforms and that, do you see it manifesting itself um, not only young people, but maybe some of the adults that you interact with as well? I think the narrow definition of beauty is very much, um, it, it's very much more adulthood. I think younger generation are much more aware of things like equality, diversity, and diversity in race, age, ability, um, and all of that. So I think the younger generation, it doesn't manifest itself like that. The, it, it's more broad. The definitions of beauty are so much broad. It's like everybody welcome, right, in the, in the younger generation. While it's the older generations, because I will still hear, unfortunately, still hear older, much older black women say things like, Serena Williams looks too hard, you know, or, or Michelle Obama looks too hard. And that's some older black women because I say sometimes they say yes, you, you can't teach your old dog new tricks. So whilst the younger generation is more open, it's more broad, there's more inclusivity and all that, the older generation is still set in many ways. You you know, you'll hear even I'll, I'll you'll hear older black men maybe describe a woman who's light skin as, you know, um, you know, I, I have an older uncle who definitely describes his wife as, oh, look at her beautiful, uh, uh golden skin and stuff like that. And it's just like you shake your head you go you guys ain't never gonna change so let me just <laughs> it's it's not worth the argument basically um and because sometimes you do want to challenge the older generation and you just realize that sometimes it's a lost cause you might as well focus your attention on the younger generation like like my i have a nine-year-old and she doesn't have a definition of beauty you know she she has friends from all places she, she you know she she you know she just doesn't it doesn't feature in their lives yeah it's very interesting as well especially when you spoke about earlier with your business and how the tagline first of all was less for women then you've had to change it for people because you find that men were interested in your services as well and i'm just as you're talking i had a little flashback to when i was growing up and i even forgot about this but i had um a couple of friends and there was this cream that one of them his mum bought it over from ghana and it was sort of like this this bleaching type cream to use it. And then you just get lighter. And I remember like he's, he was getting even a bit patchy. His face was really light. And then he had patches on his arms or whatnot and all that kind of thing. Um, I had another friend that was really trying to get his hands on that cream. It was difficult to get. And then as you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, it's, it's crazy because it's subconscious. Because why did he and their, their guys, you don't typically think of these kind mm -hmm. of things and associate that with boys or men. But why did he feel the need to have to go through all of that and damage his skin just so he could look better in his eyes, um, which is nuts, actually, as you're talking. 
yeah, when you think about it, it's absolutely nuts. But, um, you know, the idea, things like segregation, um, apartheid, all those things subconsciously told the black community that you will be worth more, you'll be more worthy. And this is all research I did for my book as well. You will be more worthy the, the lighter you are. You'll be more desirable the lighter you are. Um, the straighter your hair is, you all these things will make you more beautiful because those are European standards of beauty, you know. Um, the straighter your nose, um, the narrower your nose, all those things are very European standards of beauty. And, you know, and, and, and a lot of that was, was Im embedded in some way. Um, and like I say, we're just breaking that now. Yeah, yeah, emancipating um, ourselves from mental slavery. Word to you know, Bob Marley. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's talk black beauty and dispelling some myths because I've read about some of these myths that you've dispelled, and one of them shocked me, which was the shea butter one and not using it in its pure, unrefined state because it can clog pores. And I'm thinking, I've got a tub of shea butter downstairs. Yeah, we've right all now. got a tub of shea butter that, that I've been using, thinking, yeah, I'm looking after my skin. Like, <laughs> you're, you're, the thing is, you're not not looking after your skin if you use shea butter on your skin. You're, you're, you are absolutely looking after your skin. However, if you have skin that's probably prone to acne or prone to breakouts and spots shea butter as your moisturizer especially on your face where you already have a lot of oil glands isn't going to do you much good and that's just a plain and simple fact um if you're using it to moisturize dry skin on the body um maybe after you come out of the shower you put it on amazing great for moisturizing it's shea butter has got an amazing antioxidant quality to it um it helps to lock moisture into the skin so we don't go ashy and gray absolutely it's about um knowing especially you know obviously i deal with a lot of people it's more about their face the people are concerned about their face it's more about knowing that you can't use it on your face so easily especially if you are prone to those acne breakouts and spots um but a lot of a lot of the products that i find especially what i call heritage products that I find that, you know, that we use is usually because we lack options or we don't know what we can use or should be using. And again, that's because the beauty industry and skincare industry in many ways has been inaccessible. Um, so if you don't know, you stick to using what you do know, whether or not that's good for you, it's a different kettle of fish, but you do stick to using what you do know. So if someone is prone to breakouts, what should they be using? If you're prone to breakouts, definitely staying away from things that are um, oil-based. So like shea butter is literally just an oil, to be honest. You leave it out, it will melt. If you leave it on a hot day, it will melt. So stay away from things that are oil-based and heavy and too rich for your skin. Um, there's, you know, I wrote whole chapters in my book about, you know, what to do if you have an oily skin type, a dry skin type. But essentially you want oil-free, you want things that are going to um decongest the skin as opposed to um uh, as opposed to clog the skin all right perfect let's um reflect a bit yeah on you and your journey and just from speaking with you now this first time you've spoken properly whereas i get this sort of a vibe that you're a very a very you know happy happy sort of person jolly person what brings you happiness nowadays gosh i mean so many things bring me happiness um 
seeing people thrive bring me brings me happiness especially um, i'm very passionate about black women and black business women seeing them thrive in, res in their respective careers and smash ceilings that brings me a lot of happiness um i have a very feisty nine-year-old daughter she brings me a lot of happiness i mean she's feisty and there's days when you're like please today not today don't try me today but generally i love that about her i know that she can hold her own um being able to kind of carve this career out where like you say this morning i was filming something else now i'm doing this podcast and i can generally manage my own time I, I am not stuck to anyone's time i do not have to report anywhere between nine and five um those sorts of things that that brings me immense happiness yes there's lots of responsibilities with it because you know i've got to make my own daily bread but it brings me, uh, it, that brings me a, a lot of happiness. Seeing people use the Black Skin Directory, that brings me, like I say, it's community property, but seeing seeing that grow and go from something that was just literally an idea that was drawn on the back of a notepad to becoming this platform that people want to invest in or or people want to, um, to work with us and stuff like, stuff that I never ever dreamed about. I am, um, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I do, someone asked me the other day, do you ever get down, you know? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I, but at the same time, I always remind myself of, of the things that I do have um, and, and the things that I have done and give myself some grace. But generally I am, I am very happy in terms of, I, I can just be like, yeah, that ain't great, but you know, we're gonna make the most of it. You know, <laughs> we're, yeah. gonna, we're gonna get some lemonade out of those lemons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, on downtimes actually, and challenges you face. So, when uh, you when the COVID the pandemic first of all hit and we went into lockdown, that was not long after you literally just opened your salon. Yeah. How did you cope then? Like, how did you? Yeah, how did you cope mentally? Like, that must have been a very tough after you worked so hard to open something and then you've had to close it down. How did you get through a period like that? It was disappointing. It was very disappointing, but. For me, I, you know, I, I, I don't think there was time to actually start processing stuff like that. It was just literally trying to make the most of it, like, and literally change how we operate to doing things like online consultations, becoming uh, like my, my, my house became a fulfillment center where we post everyone's products out and we would do these online consultations. Um, and it was just pivoting. I have the saying, you either pivot or you perish um and i ain't about perishing so i literally just me my husband everyone just got their heads down and we just we, we came up with different kind of events and zoom stuff and all that sort of stuff and literally just got involved it was very frustrating but every day you just have to i also believe in the last man standing and that you just have to keep on going and some days you're going to be able to do 10 things and that's fantastic and some days you're going to be able to do one thing but whatever that one thing you do, just do it to the best of your ability. And yes, yeah, some days you're like, oh my God, like I have days I'm like, oh, this is just not great. I don't, I'm not enjoying this. But you have to realize that in any job, no matter how fantastic it is, there's all, especially when you are the owner, there's always gonna be tedious bits. There's always gonna be bits that you don't wanna do admin stuff. Those things are there. It's like when people think that, or, you know, you go to all these fancy lunches and dinners and blah, 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 blah. That's why I never hesitate to let people see me without makeup in my office. My hair is pinned up and I'm literally like, I have got a thousand emails, thousand <laughs> questions from customers and clients and all that sort of stuff because you got to ride the rough with the smooth. So it was disappointing, but 
are we still open? Yes, we are. I mean, we went from COVID straight into, uh, I don't know, crisis. I had to make stuff redundant last month. And someone, again, someone asked me, you know, do you feel bad about the redundancies? Or do you feel bad that you couldn't expand the business in the way you wanted to expand the business? And I was just like, I feel bad about redundancies, but I don't feel, I'm not down necessarily about expanding the business because it just wasn't the right time. Um, and it's not a good use of my energy, really. I, I allow myself only so much time to feel down. And then after that, I'm like, girl, pick up, pick up, pick up. Please keep, just pick up yourself. You cannot be down here, <laughs> basically. And that's how I tend to operate. I do have a lot of therapy though. I have therapy every week. I believe in it 100%. And, and it really helps me out. All right, that's great. Thank you for that. What has life taught you recently? That's an amazing question. What have I learned recently? That two things can be true at the same time. Things are not so black and white that it has to be either or. Two things can exist at the same time. You can be you can be in a shitty situation but still progressing in some ways. Um, you know, so so for me, it's it's for example, we 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 downsized the business and that's not great, that's shitty. In it will downsize the clinic and that's not great. But at the same time, I'm doing amazing in some other areas. So those two things can exist. It's, it's it doesn't have to be either or. And if you if you do an either or situation, you can box yourself in. Mm, yeah, that's really good. Okay, thank you for that. And last question as we prepare to wrap up. What does the next chapter in your own story look like? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I've thought that far ahead, but I am definitely looking to celebrating Black Skin Directory next year as it turns five. We have a lot of exciting things planned, in, including the brand new website um, and some partnerships as well. So I'm definitely looking to do that. But I, I definitely, obviously, I, I want to continue doing the work I love and working with women of color and keep smashing it in terms of um, 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 breaking down barriers so that, so, so that people who look like me can um, have access to the industry that I love so dearly. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to that for sure. All right. Amazing. Thank you so much. That's it. 1000 Voices podcast done, wrapped up. Thank you so much, DJ, for coming on once again. Thank you for having me. No, I'd love to have you on. Thank you so much for coming and sharing everything you shared. It's been so good, so insightful, so many gems. So thank you once again. Before we wrap up, have you got any last words? And also, where can people keep up to date with you, with uh, what you do? Where can they buy a book um, if they want to as well? Okay. Um, any any last words for me? Um, it's whatever you're doing, do it to, just, I would say, just do it to the best of your ability at all times. Even, like I say, even those days where you're like, I can't be asked, do one thing and do one thing well on that day. And then other times, smash it with 10 things. Um, I am generally found on social media. Instagram is my main platform, um, DJ underscore Ayodele. Um, and on there you will find access to everything about me, whether it be my book, whether it be my personal website, how to book an appointment with me, how to access Black Skin Directory. Everything is within my Instagram platform. Thank you very much once again, Deja. And that's that for now. So that was 1000 Voices. We had the amazing DJ Ayodele on the podcast. And for now, people, we're out. Amazing.
Thank you.